Taylor, week one in the books. How's it feel? Uh, <laughs> surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can say we have two smiles on our face for our favorite teams. Just yeah, just pleasantly surprised. Um, maybe maybe uh, maybe a little too much of my pessimism got in the way of this of this pick, but. There's no pe- no question to the pedigree of, of Mr. Urban Meyer as a college coach, um, but I guess he kind of got his welcome to the NFL, uh, as did Trevor Lawrence getting his first uh, uh, regular season loss in his career, which is quite quite remarkable. Just really impressive win, uh, and and an imp- like the Texans just looked like they were a team that was just prepared. Uh, in complete control. If if I've got like really high praise anywhere, it, it's definitely been on the Texans' defense. I think that's one of the bright spots about this team that I've really uh, really liked, and I'm I'm really focused on. I, I mean, I think Lovey Smith is doing a tremendous job as the D coordinator for them. And then on the offensive side of the ball, I felt like the offensive line gave some decent protection, and and uh, and then Tyrod Taylor just made some really really. Uh, Solid plays, looked poised, and uh, kind of looked similar to what Deshaun Watson is capable of doing. But, you know, uh, Tyrod just shows why he's such a capable pro quarterback. Uh, all in all, I, I really was impressed with what I see, with what I saw. I, I think more of the takeaway from this game was the Jaguars losing, Urban Meyer losing his first game, Trevor Lawrence, and so forth. So there's not going to be a whole lot to say about the Texans because I think a lot of people project the Texans having the number one pick in the draft, as do I. But hey, you got to give the—I think you got to give the Texans some real credit. I mean, they showed some—they're just not a, a slouch football team. But I'm not going to go ahead and be like, "Oh, we're playoff bound" or anything like that. But I just think that there's going to be some games each week that the Texans are very capable of, of you know, kind of punching somebody in the mouth, so to speak. And you just can't necessarily be relaxed on them, especially the way with the defense played. I was really pleased with it. So that's, that's just my initial thoughts on it. From a from a fantasy standpoint, I think there was a, a lot of aspects that we didn't really know. We knew somebody was going to have to catch the ball in, in, in Houston, and we saw that very much. Brandon Cook's outstanding game, I think over 100 yards receiving. And then even from running the ball standpoint, we, we saw this backfield, and it was – you know, a ton of names that maybe three years ago, you're going like, holy cow, they have all of those guys on one team. And they still showed production Sunday. And we saw Philip Lindsay, David Johnson, and Mark Ingram all come away with a rushing touchdown. That's fantastic. I, I think that was exactly how we knew the offense was going to have to move, that they can run multiple different run packages at a defense. And then it can allow so many different opportunities to score, particularly in the red zone, particularly against defense that we know is going to struggle in Jacksonville. What I'm really curious on, you still seem set that the Texans are going to own the number one overall pick. Do you still think that's the case? Do you still think that they are worse off in a season outlook than the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I believe might be moving closer towards that number one pick than the Texans, just based on what we saw week one? Well, I mean, I think I think the Jaguars had to get their feet wet, and and this was their way of getting their feet wet. And uh, I mean, this is just by way of introduction to the NFL for both head coach and and quarterback. I mean, what the Jaguars were just a couple of years ago, they're not. This isn't the same Jaguars team. I, I could see where you'd say that just because the Jaguars held the number one pick last year, and it's been one. It's just one game, but by one game. It, if I'm a Jaguars fan, I'm I'm a little bit concerned in the sense of like, well, how much better have we actually gotten after just one year? There's not really a sure way of of really knowing. And so it's just hard to say. And so I, I think I think if you're a Jacksonville fan, you're a little you're maybe a little bit concerned, but it is one game. And then and then I guess with the Texans, it's more of just a well, yeah, things aren't necessarily like stellar and great yet but maybe there is something to this team and the fact that they do seem to me very bought in on whatever is being shared and preached in that locker room the the, mo- the majority of this team seems very bought in on what the texans are trying to do so who knows man i mean you and i both talked about it that we I, we were at a consensus that this was going to be a big pride win for houston our next game that we want to cover is a big pride win that happened in Las Vegas on Monday night. 
the Raiders love making a statement in week one, our home opener. They did this last year against the Saints, breaking off against a, a, a very powerful team who many folks consider a Super Bowl contender. They did that again this past Monday with the Baltimore Ravens. How good the Baltimore Ravens are as a whole, as a season long, I don't know. They have a ton of injuries that are really stacking up. And I don't want to make just excuses for a win. I don't think that's that's giving the credit for the for the Raiders win. I love following the Raiders. I love seeing pride wins like this because there is so much of these moments missing from the past 10 years of the Raiders. And I love seeing games where there is no quit. I don't believe anybody can perform as well at the quarterback position in Las Vegas than Derek Carr. That man takes every single drive and puts it on his back every single time. Two of the passes that were pivotal in extending this game and then in, in overtime winning this game, he has two rushers in his face and just heaves it up and puts the ownership on this play on the guys. And I think that is so important that particularly when you're on a lesser franchise, it can feel like nothing you do matters. But Derek Carr allows folks like Zay Jones, allows folks like Brian Edwards and all these guys to really own the moment and step up. He's going to put the ball where it needs to, but you're still going to have to make a play to go get it. And that's exactly what Zay Jones did to win the game. I mean, Derek Carr couldn't have thrown it in a better spot. No safety, nobody nearby. And Zay Jones just finds it, tracks it, and carries it into the end zone. Game over. It was absolutely wonderful. I was I was watching this intermittent to going out for dinner. And and folks, I was on vacation. So, But I was fortunate enough to, to follow at home, and I'm yelling in the car the entire way. But it was absolutely wonderful to see um, the Raiders just give a damn and win a game regardless of of being outmatched, which I believe they truly were if we looked at the Baltimore Ravens um, as a whole. What happens to Lamar Jackson? I know that, you know, they have they lost three running backs out for the season. Um, Fantasy owners obviously know this more than most. But, you know, they got to figure out how how can we get this offense more aerial you know you got to go forward a lot faster than I think the Ravens have the chance to and sure they were having you know pressure issues um, from the defensive line of the Raiders towards the very end Max Crosby was doing go Carl Nesteeb oh my goodness just stepping up at the end um, with that forced sack fumble there's some there's a lot of questions and and I think you and I were 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 um, in agreement on this that I believe this team this team being Baltimore has a chance to go deep but I think by the competition of their surrounding AFC counterparts, they can't hang, man. You know, we we have we have some other we have some other teams, you know, like Cleveland and Kansas City, who we'll, who we'll touch on later. But you got to play all four quarters, and you got to beat teams that you are better than. And I, I, I can't say that that is a huge vote of confidence for Baltimore going forward, especially with you know a matchup against who we believe the number one team in the AFC next week in Kansas City. So um, more on that later. But in the meantime, I I just want to kind of know what your thoughts were from uh, from following the team, you know, much due to my fandom. But uh, what were your thoughts on the Monday Night Mayhem? Well, uh, man, gosh, coming out of the gate, it just seemed like a lot of people said it was a very entertaining game for them. But the whole entire time I kept thinking like, man, this seems so much more sloppy than I I was expecting. both, both on on both sides, both on Las Vegas and Baltimore, it just seemed very sloppy, uncharacteristically sloppy. Uh, the Raiders initially at the beginning, I texted you and told you, man, they, your boys just seem a bit flat right now. But, um, but you know, I, the whole entire time I kept thinking like, so at, the Raiders won, and I, I was stunned to to see the way they did one, but they won, and. Um, and apparently John Gruden is pretty successful. I think in the last three seasons, he's won all of his openers. I may be, that may be incorrect, but, um, but I, I, I'm probably, probably in some ways, we didn't expect the Raiders to win this game. But at the same time, this kind of falls in line with the typical narrative of your Raiders, Cody. They seem to just... They seem to just come out of the gate and they win games and and kind of create some steam those first four to six weeks. And then it's like, man, the Raiders are just always like hot at the very beginning of the year. And then everything just kind of peters out after that, after week six. And so 
you've always been one to not jump so quickly on the excitement of what your team is doing at the beginning of the year. And I knew, I knew, I was like, Cody's going to take this, this victory and he's going to be like, okay, that was nice. I'm just going to put that away uh, and move on. Um, but, you know, I got to say this, though. You know my thoughts on Derek Carr. And, and I just think that for once, I, I don't know where the Raiders stand at the end of the day with him or at least Gruden, but I, I think I really legitimately want to see some full-on commitment to this guy, man. Like, he just seems like he is the best thing at quarterback for the Raiders. Like, this is just what they need. And, I, I mean, there's no question. I, I just think Carr is the, the right fit for this franchise. And, and I think I just want to see, I think I just want to see Gruden just get fully behind this, this man as his quarterback. And, uh, and, and maybe he does, but it's not very publicly clear to, to my knowledge. Um, but aside from that, and I, I loved the game we saw from Josh Jacobs. I was really pleased with the way he ran the ball. I mean, such a good running back. I, I thought the offensive line gave some great opportunities for the Raiders to move the ball well. I mean, and Darren Waller's Darren Waller. Uh, thank you for telling me to take that guy with my third pick. Uh, I mean... What a what a talent. This guy is just unreal. He really is he really is if not the best one of the best tight ends in the game right now without a doubt. Um, you know, the the Raiders fans have a lot to be um I think pleased with, but at the same time there's there's more there's more room to grow. Um and then the defense really did make some plays there towards the end. I mean, just just gritty, gritty, gritty defense. But there were some real, real mistakes and flaws that were, I think, that were exposed about this this defense from this game. But, you know, you got to think Gus Bradley is going to do a better job and try to tighten some things up here. But there's a lot to like, honestly, from this game and what we saw from the Raiders. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I believe there are multiple issues that need to be fixed in Las Vegas, but one of those issues is not quarterback, and uh, I'm excited to see what he can prove this season. I think it was a wonderful week one. I loved watching it. We crushed our week one lock, which was Tampa Bay over Dallas. And so that brings us right into week two. We want to do our weekly picks, and we rank them from our top three locks to our bottom three locks, which would be games that we're not quite sure how, what the outcome is. So we don't really want to fully commit to putting them in our confidence meter as it is ranked. However, we will go into week two with a familiar face with our number one lock. Taylor, if you want to lead it, take the lead here and uh, explain who your week one lock of the week is. Yeah. So the one I'm putting the most stock in this week, obviously I'm going to, I'm going to take the Buccaneers over the Falcons. We've established that. And, um, I was a little bit surprised with uh, the Falcons last week. Wasn't expecting that. I just thought Arthur Smith was going to kind of come out a lot better. I thought the matchup was favorable, but uh, I, I won't go too much into the Eagles there. But th there was a lot of good things there that had you kind of scratching your head like, oh, okay. Uh, you know, because here's a team I, 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 I've expected to, you know, be a top five pick in the draft. But they, they looked really good. But I didn't expect such a weak performance from the Falcons. But I just feel like the Buccaneers in a lot of ways are going to be somewhat of a buzzsaw uh, throughout the season. I mean, you know, granted, the, the Cowboys played them well in their, in their opening matchup, but uh, they're going to fix a lot of things. And, uh, and, and I just think that against a team like Atlanta, it's not going to be fun for Atlanta fans. Absolutely. I, I believe you and I are in consensus that we expect Tampa Bay to be playing all the way into like that, that final four category. Uh, competing for a conference championship and certainly more by most expectations. So we don't need to delve too much into Tampa Bay there. What I what I really wanted to kind of touch on was Atlanta, you know, soft opening for such hype uh, in a tight end for Kyle Pitts. Comes away with three catches, 46 yards. Very soft. As, as most NFL historians would tell you, it is so hard for that rookie tight end to really get a chance to break out. And that appears to be a continued narrative here for Kyle Pitts. Uh, Mike Davis, hardly, hardly impressing fantasy owners who, um, you know, took a sixth or, or maybe earlier pick on him. Uh, this narrative seemed to be in favor of the Arthur Smith offense of, 
you know, we saw Derrick Henry's numbers last year. We saw the play action numbers for Ryan Tannehill last year. And we just saw those fall flat against a team who we believed to be one of the bottom three teams in the, in the Eagles. There's a lot, a lot of things that are going to have to be fixed here in Atlanta. Whether Arthur Smith is the guy, we don't know. I mean, we have, we have those situations with a lot of year one coaches, but, um, this this will be the bully on the playground matchup of the week, um, you know, with with Tampa Bay just having their way with Atlanta. So uh, let's let's go ahead and go into our number two pick, and this is where we we really start to separate. And um, so I want you to go ahead and and tell me your number two lock of the week. Number two lock of the week, I, I think the Cleveland Browns are going to come out pretty hard and strong against the Texans. You know, just man coming off such a. I thought they played the Chiefs really well in their first game, you know, but there was just some there were just some unfortunate mishaps that happened there at the end. But for the most part, I, I, I'm I'm just expecting Cleveland to really bounce back. It, it's hard to say. I, I'm still trying to kind of get a, uh, an impression of how good is this Browns team going to be. But I think they did enough just in their week one opener against Kansas City in Kansas City to to make somewhat of a, of a statement there that, hey, they're still a very formidable team. Their defense still kind of makes me nervous, and they were, able to, they were able to contain Pat Mahomes to some measures pretty well. So th- there's a lot to see here with Cleveland that makes me think, man, I, I just don't see a whole lot coming from the Texans in this game uh, against, against a team like Cleveland right now. I completely agree. I believe this will be a, an exposure game for the for the Texans in terms of figuring out all of your weaknesses to the you know highest degree. I believe Cleveland played as close to a perfect game as you could possibly play against Kansas City, and they still came away with a loss. I think really what it comes down to in terms of beating the Chiefs is you can't leave any room. There can be no time on the clock to, in order to make sure that Patrick Mahomes cannot do those last-second drives against you. We've seen this with the great quarterbacks of the past. The only way you can ensure it is to make sure that they have no time because they don't ever lose. They just run out of time. I, I believe the Browns are, are pissed off. They, they played excellent. There's, there's not a whole lot of whole lot of criticism you can really give them. Maybe, you know, giving away the game at, at the tail end with some with some unfortunate drops and, you know, some unfortunate pass protection choices uh, against that um, front front line for for the Chiefs. But this is a statement game that. You know they they can't go into and still demand respect in the AFC, so this is this is very much of a a, a good choice. Um, they they made it to number four in my confidence rankings, um, just because I believed you know Houston Texans are still going to be that scrappy scrappy team that is not going to go quietly regardless of their talent. I think it's going to be you know very similar to some of the uh, inadequacies that Cleveland faced against Kansas City on just you know at some point you're just a lesser roster. Than your opponent. Yeah, I was gonna, and I was gonna add one small thing. I, I just think that right now, I think the Texans are feeling really good about themselves, as they should be. But I just expect Cleveland to be pretty angry, and they're gonna come out and play really, really hard against Houston. I don't think Houston's gonna really be ready for that. That's just all I think. Yeah, revenge game for Jadavian Clowney too. So let's see how that works out. Oh, I didn't even uh, think about that. Yeah. So next game, I wanted to go into my number two pick, and I was feeling a little bold. You know, maybe it's the the Raiders' uh, prowess in, in in terms of you know we saw what this team actually was. But I picked Kansas City over Baltimore as the week two second lock of the week for me. I believe that Kansas City showed exactly how powerful they are in the AFC. And you know, I talked about Cleveland playing near a perfect game and still not having enough. And, you know, we saw the game that the Ravens played against uh, the Raiders. I don't believe that this Ravens team is ready for the competition that they are going to face against the Chiefs. It's Sunday night football. It should be big and powerful, uh, packed with big names. Um, But ultimately, I love the Kansas City offense against this Ravens defense, considering that the Raiders play very much of a lesser version of Kansas City's offense. So now you're playing with the grown-up version of that offense against your defense. And Kansas City, you know, that defense is ready, I think, for anything Baltimore has offensively. And I think this is just not going to be a great time for Baltimore. And I was feeling confident. Um, You know, two years ago, this is, uh, wow, you're getting really bold with it. But I think as time has gone on, that that Ravens team hasn't evolved and grown stronger, much like the Kansas City Chiefs have. And 
Kansas City Chiefs are pissed this year. They, by, if you ask most of the players or you hear most of the inter- interviews, they feel they were embarrassed in the Super Bowl. So they're all about chasing the perfect season, all about dominating every opponent. They showed that last week with Cleveland and not giving up, and I believe they will make sure to uh, not let something like that happen again this weekend in Baltimore. You, do you think Baltimore, though, uh, they, I would think they're going to clean up a lot of those mistakes they made against Las Vegas. I mean, what do you think? I, I, would, I would expect we're going to see a better Ravens team, right? I, I agree, but I believe you're also playing a much better team. So well, where true. you can clean up the things to beat a team like Las Vegas, how much can you really fix in a week against a team like Kansas City, who by all accounts seem to be the shoe-in for the AFC representative in the Super Bowl? All right, yeah. Again, nothing nothing too deep to go in there. Just honestly, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good, and I, and I believe that the Ravens can fix a lot more at 0-2 than they can at 0-1. So if you want to go ahead and list off your number three confidence pick, and then we, we can move it on over to the, what we believe are the closer games of the week. Yeah, um, you could probably add more from how this team played last week, but for my next confidence pick, I, I've got a pretty strong win coming from the Green Bay Packers over the Detroit Lions. I just, I fully expect the Packers to bounce back. I think they know very full and well they did not play their best football and what they're capable of. I gotta, I must say though, I I was a little impressed with how the the Lions did play. Even though they came, they they came out with a loss, the Lions uh, really did play really hard. I gotta give them that. So I was, I was impressed with how the Lions did play. But Man, you you just know full well. Green Bay's going to clean up a lot of that stuff. They're going to fix all that stuff. And there is no way, no way I see them getting a loss against Detroit. I completely agree. I think this should be an easy pick. However, I, I, I slotted them down to they're my number seven confident pick because of exactly some of the points you brought up that Detroit did not quit in that game. And at some point, there's maybe a narrative that most NFL historians would follow that Kyle Shanahan maybe has a problem with holding a lead 28 to three and so on. But I liked what I saw from this Lions team and okay, count it. Cause we're only going to make it to probably one hand that I'll ever say this. <laughs> Jared Goff played good. Yeah. Jared I was going to ask good. you that. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think? Jared Goff played remarkably well. He held on to the ball, you know, and, and made some correct decisions in, in something that we haven't really seen in the past. And I believe having the ownership and in the responsibility for this offensive operating effectively is something that's new to him. And perhaps it could be something that, that we could see him grow as a passer. There is so much to like about the athletic talent of Jared Goff in the quarterback position, but the only things we ever questioned were the adeptitude and in for his decision-making and offensive integrity. There, there is, there is so much, that is left to be developed in Jared Goff. And I'm excited to see how Dan Campbell and the offense that the the Lions are running with so many great checkdowns, you know, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, TJ Hawkinson. There's so much good, quick decision checkdowns available. And he also has Amon, Amon Rodse Brown. I think that's the first time I've ever gotten that name correct. But there are so many options that were uh, underappreciated in the preseason that I believe could be exposed as a greater threat. But to the other side of the ball, it's a much lesser narrative. There wasn't a whole lot to like in Green Bay. They were playing a team who we believed were going to struggle, and maybe we have to reevaluate that at some point with the Saints. Yeah, absolutely. They are still a playoff team that just swapped out a quarterback who really wasn't having a great season last year. And Drew Brees even remarked on it in, in one of his broadcasts or in, in a quote release that maybe the deep ball is all that the Saints were missing in terms of being an offensive powerhouse. Right. And, you know, that defense has always played well with the leads, especially we've seen that dating back, you know, three, four years with Drew Brees that they've been able to score at will. And, you know, when all that defense gets to do is just unload those pass rushers, they can create problems, which we have seen. Green Bay struggle with when they have pressure in Aaron Rodgers face repeatedly he cannot re-grasp the momentum necessary for the game we saw that in the Tampa Bay game last year during the season where Tampa Bay just very similar that's that's what I was thinking about this entire game is that this is the exact same scenario that they were dealing with in Tampa Bay last year 
where Aaron Rodgers just looks at the sideline with his shoulder shrug. Right. But we we also saw a lack of production in the run game. We saw a lack of, you know, fantasy owners who believed that this team was going to be a closer image of what they were last year, which was the number one offense in the league, are not having a great week one. I, I dare say that you probably lost your week one if you went heavy on Packers. Uh-huh. But there is still plenty of reason to support your lock here in that they have an MVP. They have a former last year's number one offense. And ultimately, it's just a pissed off Aaron Rodgers. At the very end of the day, you're betting on the ego of Aaron Rodgers. And that dude does not like to lose. Right. So not to say that Dan Campbell does, but, you know, where we have talked about in these in these first three confidence picks, Roster talent versus roster talent. I think Green Bay wins this one. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Yeah, 100%. So I want to go ahead and touch on my last confidence pick, and then we'll kind of move into the closer games. Okay. No no real reason to dig too heavy into this one, but I picked Denver to lock it down over Jacksonville Jaguars. And this is really, I liked what I saw from one team. I didn't like what I saw from another team. And I think one team has a lot of promise, one team not so much. I think you can do the numbers here and understand that. Denver looks great. You know, there was there was a great little uh, soundbite from Von Miller commending yeah, Teddy Bridgewater, man. who looked to just command this offense. And and so Von Miller was just commenting to Teddy Bridgewater that, you know, he hasn't seen this kind of leadership since 18 was here. 18 obviously being Peyton Manning. Um, and it was just so wonderful to see that that what this team can look like more offensively balanced. The ownership of, of of Teddy Bridgewater here just helped out so tremendously, tremendously, and it allowed these pass rushers and it allowed the defense to play in a in a format that is much more comfortable to them. On the other side of the ball, Jacksonville. Oh my goodness, what is going on here? I, I at some point you you just kind of get worried that a college coach believes he knows a, a system that'll work at the pro level, but. I was not impressed with this Jacksonville team. I believe this team has a greater shot, as I touched on earlier, at the number one pick than I believe anybody else based on what I saw week one. You don't just get blown out by what everybody widely observe as the worst franchise in professional sports um, from a roster standpoint. And they got blown out. They looked terrible. I didn't like it. Most of it could just be rookie mistakes from the quarterback position, from the offensive yeah. uh, coordinations uh, perspective, and, and all these sorts of things. But I yeah. really liked what I saw from Denver. I really didn't like what I saw from Jacksonville. And that's why I picked him as my number three pick of the week. Well, Trevor Lawrence is really good. I mean, I, there's a reason why he was the number one overall pick. And I, and I know teams recognize his talent. And, and, you know, with throwing three interceptions this past week, he, he did manage to still throw three touchdowns. And so I think there were some obvious things that he, you know, took away from this and he's going to learn from. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm expecting Trevor Lawrence to, you know, to, to still put up some good good performances, you know, going into the rest of the year. But along the lines of that sound bit, it just kind of made me wonder, you know, when when Von Miller, who arguably is like in a lot of ways the face of the franchise, the captain of this team, for him to say what he said about to Bridgewater, I'm, I kind of made me wonder, I'm like, man, what does that what does that say about Drew Locke, you know, in that case? But I guess it doesn't really matter because he's not the starter and Bridgewater is, and so they they clearly. Uh, wanted to bring in Bridgewater in because they didn't have enough confidence in Drew Locke. And so, I mean, you know, it, it, it does say something a lot about Teddy Bridgewater and Teddy Bridgewater, man, he, this, this offense, uh, just from, it, it just hasn't looked this good. You're right. Since, since 18 was behind center. And so, uh, I, I, yeah, I really did like what I saw from Denver. I mean, there's, there's a lot to like in what you see from the Broncos right now. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, it's not all good news for for Denver. They had some sad news here. They're going to be without Jerry Judy, who has repeatedly looked like to be one of the more promising receivers from this offense. He's going to be out six to eight weeks, um, put on IR. You know, a lot of folks, and it's a high ankle sprain. Many players have a history, Saquon being one, Odell Beckham being one. You know, whenever you get that high ankle sprain, it is so hard to return to 100% before a season's end. So there's a lot right. of worry there that you yeah. know, this guy will come back before he's ready and then re-injure it. And then you have a longer narrative to deal with in terms of the production value of Jerry Judy. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully they play a patient and realize that they are not going to probably be one of those final eight or, or 10 or even 12 teams 
um, for the playoffs and you rest some guy that is so fundamentally crucial to the production for your offense. So moving on to the closer matchups that we believe for the week, you know, this is this is going to be what we want to wager the lower amount of points on our weekly picks because we really aren't sure what we're going to see from these teams. So we're going to work our way back from so this would be the bottom 3 confidence meters and we're going to work from what would be our third least confident, second and then obviously our first least confident, ergo our closest matchup of the week. So, Taylor, if you want to go ahead and list off your third uh, confidence meter, or <laughs> we'll have to figure out a better name for this at some point, but we'll say our third closest <laughs> game of the third closest game of the week. Okay, Cody, I I really did like what I saw from this team, but I've, I'm going to go ahead and take the Cincinnati Bengals over the Chicago Bears. Joe Burrow uh, is back. He looks healthy. He looks good. Uh, Jamar Chase managed to make a great touchdown catch uh, for him. Um, you know, so I, I felt, I think if you're a Bengals fan and you're the Bengals front office, based on just what you saw this past week, you're feeling really good about what you've done these past two drafts and getting Joe Burrow and getting Jamar Chase. Uh, I, I know we have our thoughts and how that pick should have gone, but it looks as though they wanted to put, bring somebody in who is not just talented, but also someone that Joe Burrow is really comfortable with. And I'm not going to get too caught up in all that, but I'm, I'm just kind of interested in seeing like, okay, you know, Zach Taylor, I believe the head coach, he's supposed to have like this offensive prowess with this team. And so he's got some things here to work with. Joe Mixon had a great day. I mean, he got a lot of volume. And uh, and it, and it just looked like overall, I I felt like the Bengals offensive line played pretty well. Um, and so I think offensively, there's just a lot to like uh, in some ways about the Bengals. Uh, you probably got a lot more to add from a fantasy standpoint in that regard, but um, but then uh, but with the Bears, uh, the Bears, uh, I, I, it's just hard, man. I, it's hard for me to say. I. Uh, I think they're I think they're very vulnerable. Uh, the Rams showed that they gave up a lot of big plays, but Ma Matthew Stafford had a day, and it's Matthew Stafford. So I'm not going to get too much into that. But I also think Joe Burrow and and this the these this plethora of weapons he has on this Bengals offense, I feel like the Bears defense has been really exposed, and so I, I'm expecting the Bengals to 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 really offensively produce well. Uh, defensively now that's where it's going to get interesting to me and and then it leads me to wonder could the bears call justin fields's number much sooner than than maybe most anticipate i just have that wonder but i i think the bears are are, are still trying to figure things out and and so far I, I i really just it's been one week but i really did like what i saw from the Bengals this last week and i like what they could take into this matchup with chicago so this, I love that this is your third, your third closest game of the week because it, it it made it to my number three spot as well. However, I chose the opposite end of your your uh, your your pick for the week, and I believe that this is to the point of you talked about, you know, so much of so much of this mom these moments leading up to each week's matchup for the Bears have been very much of a holding pattern, and they have been very much of you know, declaring how they want to run this franchise. And that is putting Andy Dalton in there repeatedly, which, you know, is a very old school way of doing things. We saw this with Aaron Rodgers. We've seen it with plenty of quarterbacks before that you sit your guy and you make him watch and learn from the sideline rather than throwing him into the fire. And what, what I saw with Chicago, I liked on the defensive side of the ball. You know, it's just, again, a narrative that we're going to keep touching on. It's roster talent versus roster talent. The offensive roster talent is just for the Rams was just superior to the offense to the defensive roster talent for the Bears. Right. However, that front four can still wreck and cause havoc when going against a lesser offensive front, much like Cincinnati currently holds. They have those quick strikes available if that offensive pressure is not in front of you. And I believe Chicago can win here. I believe to your point, this is the Justin Fields breakout game. I believe it's going to start low. It's going to start quiet. And, and this is going to be the moment that you finally just, what what else can you lose? We saw Justin Fields go two for two. We saw him come away with a rushing touchdown. 
there was obviously more momentum able to be built with a guy like that back in the backfield. And uh, I believe this is this is the official official game that we now can start the story of Justin Fields, and um, and it's gonna be a, it's gonna be against another a quarterback with a lot of promise in Joe Burrow, and um, I think we're gonna see, you know, so much of Week One um, to, to talk about Cincinnati's side of things. So much of Week One really felt like a confidence presentation that their draft strategy was correct. Right. That adding Jamar Chase obviously helps this defense have just a little bit more of a dagger in terms of how quick they can just poke back and keep things going, particularly against a team like Minnesota, where there is plenty of weapons to be had on all sides of the ball, Adam Thielen and so on, and Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. My goodness, there's just so many. And Kirk Cousins even playing well. But they're going to be going against a team that has a defense that creates a little bit more suppression because you have to do checkdowns and you have to do all these smaller plays that I don't believe the Bengals offense is ready for. I love their receiving core. I love Boyd. I love T Higgins who looks like he is going to be the real deal up there over that entire receiving core, which is really saying something. Um, but I just don't believe that there is enough there to overcompensate for the suppression that that Bears front defensive line is going to provide. So I love that this is our first uh, real op- opposing pick here. And I'm, I mean, this has obviously got to be one of the games of the week, certainly maybe on the hipster side of things, that this may not be for the common NFL fam, but for those folks who really want to deep dive and kind of project what we're going to see in the coming years, this is a great game to pick for this weekend. So uh, I'll go ahead and go into my number two pick, and this is this is really because this was so confusing to me. Um, it, it, it shifted my projections entirely in terms of a season-long standpoint. You know, last week I, I, I picked uh, Miami to lose to the to the Patriots because I really thought that the Patriots were going to come out with a prove-it year available, and it looks like the Patriots just had their typical Dolphins game, and they chose to get it out of the way in Week One. Um, additionally, on the other side of the ball, I believe the Bills held a much superior roster, certainly from the quarterback standpoint, certainly from um, you know their their offensive weapons standpoint. However, you know that looks like that may not be the case uh, as Buffalo lost to Pittsburgh last week. However, my number two closest game of the week is the Buffalo Bills beating the Miami Dolphins. Again, I don't hold too much confidence in this because I liked the Dolphins' ability to trudge through the oppression that the the Patriots defense was providing and the Buffalo Bills obviously we we picked Josh Allen to be an MVP candidate here Stefan Diggs we picked to perhaps be you know one of those top three receivers in terms of receiving yards at the end of the season but there are some things that just leave these two with a little too much unknowns to think that anybody can run away with this game you know, if I told you at the beginning of the year that the Miami Dolphins may beat the Buffalo Bills, you'd be like, you're crazy. But after we what we saw last week, I think this is a much closer game. There's plenty of fantasy implications and things to like here. Will Fuller officially done with and reinstated. Um, so now that, that offensive passing attack is going to be at full blast. However, I'm not quite sure that there is enough protection up front to guard against a pissed off Buffalo team. So I'm very curious where you kind of stand on this on this game. On this particular one, uh, I I mean, well, I, I fully expect Buffalo to win this game. Uh, my confidence meter is a lot higher. Uh, I can't actually tell you offhand where I where I had it, but um, um, but I, I think I just yeah, with everything coming back uh, with Fuller, um, you know, I, the Dolphins are not short on weapons offensively. Uh, it's just can Tua can Tua do it uh, and against a defense like the Bills and uh, I just you know I it's not much of a of a uh, non confidence pick for me I just I'm fully expecting the Bills to take a win away from Miami this week and uh, you know I think I think uh, I think it was a little bit of a I think it was a little bit of a fluke this week one matchup so yeah I'm I'm definitely betting on the Bills in this matchup to take care of business and going to see a great game from Josh Allen I expect and I expect the defense to 
play a lot sharper. Um, you know, but you know, I gotta I gotta acknowledge uh, one of my guys, Jalen Waddle, for the Dolphins. Uh, first game did really really well with his uh, with his first game. So he's he's an impressive uh, impressive receiver. So uh, and it and it looks like there's already some well established rapport there with uh, Tua and Waddle just from the Alabama days into Miami. So good for them. It was a good pick for Miami. Great week one performance for old college teammates. We had uh, Tua getting a getting a pass to Jalen for a touchdown. We had Jalen Hurts getting a pass to Devontae Smith, and then Joe Burrow obviously opening the Cincinnati game with a just beeline target to uh, Jamar Chase. So yeah, very fun to see these these relationships really carry into the pro level. Yeah, but yeah. I, I want to kind of go into your number two uh, closest game of the week. You were thinking a little bit differently about a particular matchup. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, over the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, this this was a little tough for me just because, I mean, the Steelers, I thought I felt like they came out of Buffalo with a really gritty win. But, you know, this there's no surprise to Pittsburgh in this way. I, I think, um, I, I even think that in some ways I kind of felt like, so I had, I think I had Buffalo taking that game against Pittsburgh, but... Pittsburgh showed me that even when they're not at their best, they've got enough to, to get wins done. They've got enough to get some really good wins. And so uh, I, th- I think with their, uh, with their guys, they didn't, have, um, they didn't have a lot of people that were uh, going at 100%, like with Najee Harris. I think they wanted to get him going more. And uh, so, they, they, I mean, there's, some just, there's just some things there that I think the – uh, that the Steelers are going to do a whole lot better. I mean, even with Chase Claypool trying to get him going more. So um, all in all, like I think Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's just got this grittiness about them that I think they can get it done. Where the Raiders also kind of have that as well. It's just I think I just think the Steelers to me are a little bit more of a disciplined team going into this matchup than I would say Las Vegas, but. It was a tough one to say because I, I could I could really see this going either way. I mean, if Las Vegas gets a win on this, it wouldn't surprise me in the least, seeing as how well they do play at the beginning of the season. So uh, th- this was a tough one for me. It really could go either way. But right now, I'm 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 I've got a slight leaning here on Pittsburgh that that they can take care of it. And and also, uh, I liked what I saw from T.J. Watt. They they committed to this guy, and there's a reason why because he is a special talent on defense for them. Uh, so there's just a lot of pieces to like there with Pittsburgh. They've got some great disruption, and I think that could bring a lot of pressure on Derek Carr. And you know, I don't know, I don't know how confident you feel about this uh, this Raiders O line, but um, you know, I, I I just got a, a little bit more of a leaning here with Pittsburgh. What do you think? So I I like what you're doing here, and that's really we don't really know exactly how powerful the Raiders are yet. They beat a team who we believed to be really powerful here. Um, this past week one in, in the Ravens and you know the Pittsburgh Steelers very much overperformed to where we expected them to be against a same thing a very powerful AFC opponent in the Buffalo Bills so I like what you're doing here in terms of putting them at the number two I have them at just slightly a little bit more confident I'm a little bit more confident in the Pittsburgh Steelers I have them at number six um, but again not far off from where you guys have the, or where you have them uh I think we're really going to have to deal with a lot of questions, a lot of reassessments, if the Raiders can come away this weekend with a win. Because then they are beating people who we believe, at least from my from my season-long projections, to be in that AFC playoff window. And, you know, as, as you touched on earlier, the Raiders tend to start seasons off really well. And what they continue to struggle year after year is carrying that momentum forward. And, you know, so much of what the Steelers have had, obviously they started off last year, I believe, 6-0, and and then things kind of fell out of disarray or fell into disarray. The Steelers just need to generate consistency on the offensive side of the ball because that sets up their defense so well. Cameron Hayward had an excellent game last week. T.J. Watt obviously proven he's worth every single penny that may or may not have been argued over. Um I like this pick for for one of the games to watch because I think even the common NFL fan is going to have a great time watching these two teams. And you know, if it's if it's not as fun as um, you know we think it's going to be for the Raiders, then at least you get to see what is going to happen. And I think the Steelers 
um, what they're going to look like going forward, and they're going to be a problem if they can if they can dominate here. So nonetheless, a good game to kind of put on the put on uh, the you know the record or the or the to be watched later or something like that because I think there's a lot of things to like here. Yeah, very intrigued by this game. I'm I'm definitely going to watch. So. I want to go ahead and go into what you believe the game of the week or closest matchup of the week is, and then I will give you my mine because uh, I, I mean again we much different than last week. We seem to go different directions on a lot of things, which I believe is good content for anybody listening. Yeah, I'm interested in what you're gonna say. Um, man, this one was tough for me, really, really tough. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna pick the Seattle Seahawks over the Tennessee Titans. This one is really hard for me because I. I, I recognize the talent on both of these on both of these teams. Um, the NFC West, I think we can we we know full and clear is definitely established themselves as probably the best division in football this season. Perhaps four playoff teams. Yeah, and and I just didn't know. I'll, I'll be honest, man. I I just didn't really know what to really think of the Seahawks going into this year. But I mean, nonetheless, we we recognize talent and and. Russell Wilson looks like he could be in play for an MVP season. This always seems to be the case with him where he gets he gets rolling pretty early on and then it looks like man this guy might be at an MVP level uh play this year. But he looked I mean he looked really good. Really really good from what I saw. Um and then with, as far as the Titans go, I I felt like the Titans just kind of came out with a real dud. It didn't seem it seemed very uncharacteristic of Tennessee in my mind, and so I I, I believe that uh, you know he ha- Vrabel and that and that team they have all the talent to be very very successful. I mean they're they're the they're our pick to win the division in the AFC South, um, and so I, I'm expecting the Titans to really bounce back. And so that's the thing. I think this game could really go either way. It's hard to say because I felt like the Titans we saw in Week One is not the Titans we know. And then the, the Seahawks we saw in week one made you think, okay, there might be more to take seriously about the Seahawks with than maybe I was initially thinking. But, you know, the Seahawks have all the pedigree of being a very serious franchise and what they're capable of. It's just, I guess it was just a feeling of, of who they are. I, I was trying to kind of figure out, like, how good is this Seahawks team? I think this Titans team is really good. Um, and I think they can play better, but it's hard to say. And why did I pick the Seahawks? Because I think I've, I've got more of a, of a confidence in, in what the Seahawks have done in the past and what they're capable of. I, I believe in Russell Wilson. Uh, so from a talent standpoint, both have it, but I've, I'm just giving a slight edge here to Seattle. But this is a close one, dude. It's not, it's not one that I feel confident completely confident about but that's where i'm at with it man yeah i, I think this is going to be one of those great afternoon games yeah. you know, classic mid-season afternoon games that are beautiful offense like plenty of action to be had yeah however i think there is a narrative here and it's and it's really it's going to define who i pick in terms of tennessee matchups throughout the year until i'm proven otherwise and that is anybody that has any form of a capable offense is going to have their way with the Tennessee Titans because that defense appears to be 32 out of 32. Um, I, they did not, I was not impressed by anything. Certainly Arizona has a super powerful offense, um, but Seattle maybe in some stamp in some aspects is even more so, um, you know, with having two excellent receiving targets, with having an even better quarterback, with having an even better running game, with having championship experience. I think, if you have an offense that knows what it wants to do week in and week out and you have playmakers on multiple aspects, I mean, this is probably a good equation to carry into any matchup, but particularly against Tennessee, you can put some of the defensive worries that you have on the back burner if you have these offensive um, attributes kind of checkmarked out. I think Seattle, this wasn't necessarily very close for me because of what I saw. I think Seattle's offense always starts very strong, and as you talked about, like Russell Wilson always looks great, at least in the first in the first bit of the season. And you know, we'll kind of check on that MVP race come midseason. Uh, you know, where things are a little bit more fleshed out in terms of what this identity is in Seattle. 
But I believe Tennessee has some issues that they really need to solve. And that is obviously Taylor Lewin mentioning giving up five freaking sacks to Chandler Jones. My goodness. I mean, he he called it out. He, he claimed a responsibility, which Taylor Lewin has always been one of those guys to go to social media right after a game and express his thoughts on the game, which is, I think, really beneficial for, for uh, certainly from an offensive line standpoint. We don't really hear much from these guys. Um, so, you know, just creating ownership for the uh, inadequacies that you carried week one, it's going to be huge. I'm, I'm really interested from that standpoint, from maybe the NFL nerd standpoint, not necessarily the casual fan standpoint, to see how the offensive line for the Titans improves because it has to. That is, if, if Derrick Henry can't run, you got no offense. Julio Jones, a lot of fantasy owners, not stoked from what they saw week one. Derrick Henry, even in Derrick Henry in, in multiple drafts, going number one overall, you know, maybe a little bit more uh, robust uh, confidence from some owners taking that number one overall pick for Derrick Henry. But nonetheless, there was just not a whole lot to like here. Um, A.J. Brown came away with a score last week, but again, there's there's so much that needs to be improved here, and we'll kind of figure out, you know, what the absence of Arthur Smith for that offense actually means. Um, so, you know, it's it we got to kind of tr- approach this as this is really kind of a rookie head coaching because we know Vrabel is the defensive guy in Tennessee, and we know that Arthur Smith was the offensive head for Tennessee. So their offensive coordinator, he's going to have to figure out his groove and his comfort setting that allows this offense to be somewhat as efficient as it was last year, which is a tall, tall order for sure. Um, from the other side of the ball, Seahawks look great. I love, I love their ability to spread it around. DK Metcalf is going to have his way. I think he probably comes away with this game with two touchdowns. Tyler Lockett obviously just burning folks last week. And it was wonderful against even a team that I believe to be pretty good, but they have a lot of question marks that I believe uh, really need to be figured out, and that's the Colts. But I, I I don't think this game is my pick for the number one closest game of the week, but it is nonetheless going to be something that will be prime viewing uh, choices for folks, particularly in the afternoon games. So my number one pick of the week is actually another afternoon game, and there is plenty of like plenty to like from their performances last week and one of them came away with a close game win the other one came away with a close game loss and that is the I picked the Dallas Cowboys to beat the Los Angeles Chargers this week now I don't know how confident I could be in either one you could flip a coin and I would be perfectly happy with either one of these teams winning because their offenses seem to make things happen regardless of the opposition however there is an issue with Dallas now no longer having that third part of their receiving targets in Michael Gallup. He looks to be out six weeks, um, perhaps more. We'll see. But that's going to obviously folks who own Mari Cooper, who own C.D. Lamb, expect those stocks to just be a good time for these next few few uh, weeks or months, maybe. Um, I, 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 I don't believe any team has a clear advantage here. Um, Dallas has an has an offense that loves to move the ball. I'm very very anxious to see a little bit more impact from that running game that seemed to be so absent. Certainly going against a team like Tampa Bay, they're going to figure out that front seven situation to constrain a, a, a talent like Pollard or, or or Elliott. But from the opposite side of the ball, Herbert's a guy that is ready to be in that conversation as one of those top five quarterbacks in the league. I don't know if he's there yet. But he's ready to be in that conversation. The dude is making throws that are so on a line. And with targets like Mike Williams, who is that prototypical X receiver that is just going to outmatch you physically every single catch, he's finally getting the targets consistently thrown in a catchable radius. That is a great, great time. And I think it is the best matchup for anybody, casual, NFL, nerds, whatever you got, this is the one you highlight, circle, set phone reminders for because this is the greatest game of the week, in my opinion. I love this matchup right here. Yeah, I well, I've got that game. I've got the Chargers taking that. That was like uh, my at number four for me. Uh, so just above my bottom three, uh, I, I was taking the Chargers over the Cowboys. No bias whatsoever in it, but Justin Herbert does happen to be my fantasy quarterback and. You know, I felt like offensively the the 
the Chargers are capable of even more uh, than what they showed this past week against Washington. And being going against a, de- a defense like Dallas, which is very susceptible as theirs, you know, there's no question. I, I recognize talent. I recognize Dallas and that they're, they're a good squad, solid squad. So, uh, you know, they're very, very capable of getting a win uh, against the Chargers. I just, um, I feel really good about just this overall roster on the Chargers and, and what they're capable of doing. Um, props to their head coach being able to get a win, uh, his first NFL win. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, when you just look at, look at their team and their, their setup offensively and defensively, I mean, it's, it's, it's set up really well to, uh, I think, to be a very productive day, especially one against a defense like Dallas. I could be totally wrong, though. So, but, but yeah, they're, yeah. They're, there's enough there that I like what I see from the Chargers, so enough to pick them over Dallas. I completely agree. I think if there is going to be, you know, one side that causes this game to maybe slip far in favor of their opponent, it's going to be defense on the Dallas side of the ball. There is there's plenty of things that are that are needing to be addressed there, but Mike Parsons is a guy too. So, let's let's see how he does. He's going to have to be the point of leadership for that defense in Dallas and uh I think this is a great game, and I'm looking forward to every single second of it. Obviously, loaded with fantasy implications on on the offensive sides of the ball, and maybe the defense if you're feeling a little a little confident in, in going against either one of these offenses. But that covers our top three locks and our uh, top three closest games of the week. I again, if anybody wants to join along, pick with us, wager their confidence against one of us. Um, we will have the link for each of our groups. Um, through ESPN in the show notes and feel free to follow along, go against us and see how you guys compare. Um, Taylor, we got a few seconds here and this will be published perhaps just before Thursday night football. Do you got a Thursday night football outlook? We got uh, Washington um, and New York giants going against one another. New York giants, obviously looking a little bit sloppy and, you know, it looks like almost that Washington maybe lost one at the last second. And um, furthermore, having some issues with, Perhaps no Ryan Fitzpatrick for the remainder of at least the next eight weeks, possibly to the year. Yeah, that man, such an unfortunate thing for Washington. But, you know, uh, I've just I, I really do have I mean, I have all the confidence right now in Washington, even with the loss this past week. So they're my pick over the Giants for Thursday night football. Tyler Heineke, he's he's back in the starting role. And so uh yeah, I mean, we'll see what we'll see what this team can do. It seems like this team has already shown that, hey, we can get behind this guy. We can rally behind him, and 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 we can be a good football team. I mean, that showed in the uh, in the playoff game against Tampa Bay last year. So, um, you know, can't can't really figure out things right now with with the Giants. I, I I must say, like I said on the last podcast, I liked all the weapons they assembled for Daniel Jones there and the Giants. So. This could be an interesting game to watch. I'm, I'm just kind of curious to see how the Giants, you know, go into this game against Washington. But I, I've got I've got my confidence meter is is pretty high towards Washington uh, taking the win on this game on Thursday night. I agree. I I think Washington still has a defense oh, that yeah. is has so much to love, and I think that even made that that made me have more confidence that the Chargers were still able to produce against a defense who I so highly regard. Uh, I, I agree. Same thing. There there is there's a lot of struggling happening on the offensive side of the ball in New York. Um, obviously, folks are going to be uh, aware of the name Sterling Shepard. Um, very, very frequent free agent pickup for fantasy managers this week. But for a lot of folks who used Saquon Barkley as maybe their number one, number two pick, I have a lot of Saquon Barkley stock personally. I'm hoping that this is one of those games they pull him out early. I am not starting him this week. I didn't like what I saw for him last week. And against a defensive front, like one in Washington. I don't think there's a whole lot to like here. I think there's a good chance that there's a snap count implied here and perhaps a, a you know, even pulling the starters at some point because I don't think this matchup is particularly close. We'll see what happens on Washington's offensive side of the ball, but there's going to be a slight degradation in terms of their deep game, which is, again, I was a huge Terry McLaurin stock buyer uh, this year in fantasy football because I loved um, – Brian Fitzpatrick's ability to just stretch plays right. and, you know, with it, with a speed guy who has the offensive catch ability, such as Terry McLaurin, Absolutely. You know, there's going to be some pullback on that, but we'll see what Heineke can do. I think this is a great chance for him to 
really make a case that he is the guy. However, if there isn't, you know, there's there's folks like Cam Newton out in free agency right now, and perhaps a Ron Rivera reunite happening yeah, at some point. So I, know. I I agree with your pick. I think Washington wins this one. I don't know about how handedly because we don't really know what the offense side for Washington looks like yet, but I think that defense secures this win for sure. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, we're putting more on Washington's defense here. Yeah. But that covers our week two locks and closest games of the week. We got a little bit of bonus time for Thursday night football coverage and we'll, we'll keep at it. Yeah. Sounds great, man. Yeah. Looking forward to this week and uh, seeing how things shake out a little bit more. Hopefully we get some more clarity on some things after this week. It, was, it should be fun. Absolutely. And we'll make sure to keep trying things out and find a format that really works for this. And we'll keep everybody updated every step of the way. All right. Sounds great, man. Thanks. This has been fun. We'll see you guys again. I'll talk to you soon. All right.